Welcome, my friends, to the Innovative Economy, where we discover the future of money, markets, and payments, and how to thrive with the new disruptive technology. I'm really happy to introduce our guest, our tax expert today, from Nader Enterprises, Accounting and Tax Services, who's well-versed in the cryptocurrency market, our crypto accountant, Linda Nader. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. Glad you could join us. Thank you so much. Well, we're glad that uh, we have somebody here that can tell us a little bit about the tax codes and, and what to expect with this uh, new technology that we're facing. Uh, and so before we do that, let's, uh, let's hear a little bit about your business, Linda. Okay, well, I, I started my practice about 28 years ago. And at the time, we were sort of the typical traditional accounting firm where we did tax and accounting and, and bookkeeping, payroll, those kind of services. And as the years went by, we started to see that we needed to morph ourselves a little bit to stay current with what was going on uh, with the economy, different industries. Um, we started to take a look at uh, helping people with mergers, acquisitions of their businesses and everything. And we started seeing when we were doing our due diligence that there were a lot of uh, problems with embezzlement from employees or other things like that. So we wanted to make sure that we started to learn more about the fraud aspect. So I became a certified fraud examiner. Um, we're seeing too with the baby boomers uh, starting to leave the business market um, that there's a need for someone to help with trying to transition them out of their businesses. Um, a lot of them were not ready to sell but they were still trying to sell their businesses. So we went more into the certified exit planning advisor role to try to help them with that. And now with uh, the cryptocurrency being so popular, um, I went and got my designation for the advanced uh, crypto tax expert uh, because we're just seeing that that is such a trend that is taking over everything and uh, definitely something important with the IRS. So we're trying to uh, be sort of on the forefront of that wave at this point. Well, excellent. So there's a designation now, huh? Yes, there is. <laughs> wow. Well, I know the realtor industry doesn't have that yet, but maybe will. Um, so what do you think the main issue is that accountants have when dealing with clients and cryptocurrency? Well, I think the number one issue is communication. Um, because of the fact that when you invest in the stock market, if you buy, you sell, at the end of the year, you get a statement either from your broker or the particular stock that you're invested in, and that's sort of the roadmap for you. You know that you purchased, you know you sold, you know what your gain or loss was, and then you have to report that to the government. And people are very acclimated to doing that. Whereas the people that have been investing in, in crypto it, sort of have the mindset that, you know, because they're in and out of it and they're doing a lot of different transactions associated with it and there's no documentation provided by any of these companies that they have wallets with, that basically it was just out of sight, out of mind. And they just really weren't dealing with it. I, I know that in 2015, they had said that there were 11 million wallets opened up with U.S. citizens. Wow. And only 856 tax returns were filed that had crypto on the tax return. So, yeah, it, it's just 
definitely showing that um, people have not been dealing with their crypto um, transactions and situations and accounts. Um, now, the thing is, is for the 2019 tax return, there is going to be a question on the tax return that everyone has to answer under perjury of law. And I actually today got the verbiage for that. It's actually going to be on Schedule 1, which is the adjustment to income for the 1040. And it's going to say, at any time during 2019, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? So I don't think it gets any more encompassing than that. It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. It sounds a lot right. like the offshore banking issue. Yes. Yes. And Schedule B, yes. It was definitely taken from that um, because the, the verbiage is almost exactly the same. Yeah. Um, but it does mean that just like the offshore accounts before, this is an issue that we're going to start seeing that obviously the IRS is heavily pursuing. Um, <clears throat> I think the interesting thing for me will be that question with all of my clients, because up to this point, we've only had handfuls of clients that have told me that they're dealing in crypto. And so I think now that the question is on there and has to be answered under perjury of law, um, I'm thinking that there's probably going to be a lot more people coming out of the woodwork saying that they actually have been involved in this. Sure. Now, let's say that somebody checkbox, yes, they have been involved in a virtual currency transaction. Does that lead to another form that's required by the IRS where you have to go down that rabbit hole of where that money is and how much it's worth? Well, see, that's the problem. Um, that question itself gives the IRS knowledge that you have a wallet, okay. but... A lot of times people come up to me and at the World Cryptocurrency Conference, a lot of people came up to me and said, you know, I opened a wallet in 2016. I put $1,000 in it and I have never touched that. It sits there. Yeah. Well, yeah. that person is going to answer yes on the tax return for 2019, but no, they don't have any reporting requirement. Right. Because it occurred in 2016. And it was a purchase. So it would be the same as if they bought a stock right. and they were holding the stock in a brokerage account. Right. Until you sell, there's no reportable transaction. I see. So I'm not sure how the IRS is actually going to use that information because, yes, they have an account, but it doesn't mean that they actually have any forms to fill out on the tax return. Okay. Now, on the other hand, though, if they did sell or use any of that cryptocurrency for any transactions, then yes, they're going to have to fill out the standard forms just as if you sold stock. Yeah, so it would be treated as uh, capital gains? Yes. Okay, or a dividend? No, it would be actually, a, if you're selling, it would be either a capital gain or a capital loss. And then it would depend on if it was a year or less or a year or more, whether you would be looking at short-term or long-term treatment of that. Yeah. Wow. I, I think a lot of people don't understand that actually when they use their cryptocurrency to buy something, like a cup of coffee or a computer monitor or whatever, that is actually a taxable transaction. Wow. So the ta sales tax is not enough. 
Correct. <laughs> it's double taxed. Exactly. Wow. So then what issue do you think the IRS is facing with, uh, with this situation? Well, one is obviously compliance. Um, they're trying to get people to be compliant and actually start to report these transactions. Um, one of the things is, though, is when you take a look at the IRS, they normally issue guidance on anything that they're pursuing or that they're looking at or they think there's a need to look further at. But that has not been the case with cryptocurrency. They have definitely just let it sit on the side. In 2014, we had a uh, revenue ruling come out that gave us guidance about cryptocurrency. And it basically said, if you sell cryptocurrency, you have a taxable and reportable position to report. And that was it. Wow. And then we haven't had anything for five years. And now all of a sudden, in October of 2019, they made the decision to put out more guidance, but it's only on airdrops and forks. So they really are not guiding people or practitioners like us on how they actually want us to be reporting all of this and what's taxable, what's not. Um, but at the same time, their subpoena uh, to Coinbase held. Uh, the IRS actually subpoenaed them for all the records of wallet holders. Uh, Coinbase fought it feverishly, um, but in the end did lose. And so they had to turn over all their information. And most people are thinking that this is going to be like a house of cards. Wow. You know, that once Coinbase fell, then other wallets will fall also. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and that led the IRS then to sending out on July 26, they sent out 10,000 notices to, oh, wow. yes, 10,000 notices to people that were part of the information they received from the subpoena. And so obviously they took the top 10,000 wallets. I would say because Coinbase has a lot more accounts. Than that. Yeah, than 10,000. <laughs> so they took the highest value people thinking that they were the ones that were probably trying to evade taxes the most. And they sent out the letter and basically it was just sort of a search type notice. It said, we think you may have traded in cryptocurrency. And if you have, then we would really appreciate if you would file six years of amended tax returns. Ah, uh, <laughs> six years. Yeah. Yes. Or, yes. Wow. So what happened then was they didn't get that much of a response. So they went ahead and three weeks later, they sent out a second notice. And this one was much more of a heavy hand. This one said, we have information that we believe that you uh, had been involved in cryptocurrency transactions. And therefore, you know, you could face civil or criminal prosecution based on that if you don't actually file the amended returns. Right, right. Wow. And so how many accountants do you think have their crypto certification like you? Very few. I would say. Um, <laughs> very few. Most of the accountants that I know, um, they think that this isn't going to ever catch on. Yeah. And probably about 99% of them. <laughs> And they actually won't take cryptocurrency uh, clients. Oh, no. oh mm -hmm. really? Now, uh, but you do. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, this is something that is on the forefront right now. And this is something that's going to be around. Um, A lot of accountants out there are unfortunately sort of in the dinosaur era and want to just keep doing things the way they've always done them. So, um, you know, we we definitely always want to stay the forefront of it. I just had more fun staying on the forefront than (laughs) living back 20 years and chugging out numbers on a piece of paper. Right, right. Trailblazers. Yes. <laughs> so, so Linda, then uh, what makes you believe in the fact that this, uh, this technology is going to stick around? Well, mainly because when you start reading literature out there and investigating it, there's a lot of heavy hitters that are actually involved in it. When you start seeing that Goldman Sachs or Morgan Stanley any of these bigger companies are out there and they're looking at their uh, institutional accounts, buying crypto for some of their, um, you know, private clients, things of that nature. Um, You can't discount that because if the big players out there are actually taking a look at it and investing in it, uh, then it's something that they feel uh, is appropriate to be investing in. So when I see all the people, all the different orientations and organizations, whether it's real estate, manufacturing, banking, car manufacturing. I mean, they're they're all involved in looking at crypto, investing in it, using it, taking it. Um, And when you take a look at that, that tells me that there's quite a movement behind it to keep that going. Oh, absolutely. And so when you're doing the tax returns uh, for somebody who might be a a cryptocurrency or virtual currency investor, Uh, are they providing Coinbase accounts or are, is there another popular investment account that you're seeing? De- definitely Coinbase would be the, the top. Yeah. Um, and because they're getting better at being able to track all the transactions, it's a lot more helpful. Yeah. Uh, years ago, we were really depending on our client to bring paper and pencil <laughs> to the table to show this is when I bought this, this is when I traded it, this is when I went to a different exchange. Um, now with all the technology and the software that we're able to purchase, we're seeing that we have a, a much easier time because with a, a lot of these transactions, you're talking about thousands of them at a, at a time. Right. And some of them could be as small as a dollar. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so uh, do you think it's possible that the IRS will be able to, to track down every single wallet that was downloaded? Well, I mean, one of the things is, is um, there is a new commissioner of the IRS that started December of 2018, Charles Reddick. And um, I actually was invited, there were 40 of us that were invited when he was in the Chicago area to meet him and talk to him. And it was very interesting because it's the first time the IRS has ever hired anyone as commissioner that actually had a tax background. And I know that's hard to believe, right? (laughs) You would think that the commissioner of the IRS would have been heavy into tax, but it's always been more of a management uh, executive position. So he actually has 36 years as a litigator in a law firm in California. So, you know, when you look at what he's trying to do, he definitely is enforcement, enforcement, enforcement. So he did get clearance from Congress to hire another 4,500 agents. Wow. Which is substantial. The IRS for the last probably six years um, has not 
hired. You know, they've definitely been more on a hiring freeze. When people oh. retire, they're not replaced. Yeah. And so we've seen that that obviously has impacted the audit function. The audit is the only way that I know we have a voluntary tax system, but the audit is the only way that the government could get money into the government if people don't comply. Right. And so when the the roles of agents that are out there have been dwindling for audit, then money isn't coming in. Mm -hmm. So they had a big boost to income on the offshore accounts. It went back down again, and now they need something that will be able to get them revenue again. And so they're hiring 4,500 agents, wow. mainly in the crypto area. Well, you know, it's uh, becoming digital. We're becoming digital. Mm -hmm. So, but that's a lot of agents. That's a huge amount of agents. And they did say that a lot of them will be focused exclusively on crypto. Yeah. So definitely, the, the IRS really thinks they lost about $35 billion in tax revenue for people that were trading virtual currencies. Wow, now that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah. So what do you see the future of money, Linda? Well, you know, I, I see two different aspects of it. Um, you know, one of the things is, is as we've been losing manufacturing in the United States, we've been losing a lot of our middle class. And so there's more of a chasm between, you know, the lower economic status and the higher economic status. Yeah. So, you know, on the lower end, you, you have a lot of people that, you know, are living more day to day, putting food on their table. Money is basically a, a necessity and they understand money in, in that way. And the thing is, is we're going to see that continue, obviously, but then we also see the other end of the economic scale, and those are the people that um, have been investing to make more money with their money and everything like that. But again, we almost see a fork in the road between those people, because you have the older end of that range that is more uh, into the stocks, buying businesses, merging businesses. That's how they make their money. And then you have the younger end of, of that, that class, and they are the ones that are embracing this technology, and they're the ones that are going to be at the forefront for this. So although you have the, the one end of the spectrum and the other end that really aren't buying into this type of technology yet and investing and using it, you have a, a huge segment of the population that actually feels comfortable with it. And when you take a look at how many baby boomers are out there compared to uh, Gen X or millennials, um, the Gen X and the millennials, uh, they make every other uh, group just small in comparison because they're such large numbers. Yeah. So they are the ones that are going to be moving this forward, whether other people buy into it right away or not. So over time, it will start to, you know, go more towards this digital because there's less chance of fraud with it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, as we see more institutions uh, hiring software developers so that they can actually create their own blockchain yes. uh, within their company. Uh, oh, definitely. <laughs> so it, the technology is there. It makes sense for transparency. Um, and so, but reportability isn't always there. No. But I mean, when you look at, at some of the things that Walmart, PepsiCo, all those companies are doing in terms of, you know, building their own tokens and everything to be able to um, 
distribute information quicker, uh, especially in, in terms of recalls or things of that nature. And now instead of just their stock, you're also going to be able to buy into their token bases soon. So I like the idea. Uh, well, I was reading about Walmart, how that you can, uh, the blockchain they're working on is where you can actually trace back the history of where uh, some of the lettuce came from. That oh, yeah or where any other produce that's organic. Is it really certified organic? Well, with the blockchain, you'll be able to trace the history. Oh, it's amazing. They had where normally a recall would take seven to 10 days if, if they had to recall lettuce or tomatoes or whatever for E. coli or salmonella or whatever, seven to 10 days to trace it back. Now they're saying that they can do it in three hours. Yeah, it, it's pretty amazing, pretty efficient process. Oh, yes. Wow. So in your opinion, what can our listeners do to thrive in the new financial technology? Well, I think the first thing is to educate, you know, themselves, because you have to go back to being a student, because this is changing so quickly that anything that you would have even read a year ago or six months ago it has changed to a certain right. extent. So right. it's a constant learning process. Um, definitely getting together with other people that are like-minded, that are out there, the trailblazers, um, that you can sort of use to mentor or at least bounce ideas off of. There's a lot of information on the internet about all of this, and not all of it is accurate or helpful. Right. So I really think that you almost need to go back to the point of where you're dealing with other individuals to help you understand all of this and move forward with it. I think what we're seeing too is that, you know, we, we had sort of, a lot of my business owners years ago always depended on their trusted advisors, their attorney, their accountant, their insurance person, real estate person. And then the internet came out and everybody could Google the information. Yeah. And now what I'm seeing is, is that these newer business owners and executives and people looking to invest in crypto or virtual currency are actually seeing that there's a value added. It's not just a commodity to talk to someone. It's actually a value added situation in order to prevent, you know, getting into trouble with the IRS or making the best choices. Um, so I think think that the big thing is, you know, you do need to start to look for people that are like-minded, that are well-educated also, and that can help you with your journey to learn more about what's going on with all of this. Right, right. And so do you see any new IRS laws that might be coming down the road or any new tax code? Well, right now, I know, <laughs> other than check the box. Um, actually, we're seeing a lot going on right now. Congress did meet last week again to see about the tax extenders. Every year they have different tax laws uh, for credits or tax benefits that they have to vote back in. They're not automatically renewed. Okay. So what we're seeing is that they're starting to discuss a lot of that and maybe bring back some things that they actually took out last year. So. So obviously we know that the tax forms are going to look a lot different this year again. They're taking the schedules out, returning the forms. Um, so yeah, they, they do have a lot of things going on. Unfortunately, years ago it used to be they made decisions by October. Oh, okay. Now a lot of times they're making decisions in February. You have to work a lot faster. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's last minute. Yes. 
So we're, we're hoping that it's not as bad as last year. The software companies obviously had a hard time getting all the new forms out. So there were a lot of delays, a lot of extensions of tax returns for people. Um, so we're hoping this year will be a little better on the general public with them being able to get their refunds quicker. Well, that's good. That's good. And so, Linda, do you have anything to offer or give to our listeners? I do. Um, for our private clients, we have a, an offering where we generally charge $600 a year for uh tax information that goes out to them by email. Um, we don't inundate people every week with little stuff. It's only when things are coming out that people can use. Um, and what I'd like to offer is anyone that would email me that they would be able to uh, say, mention this interview and we would give them uh, three months free, January through March of 2020. Wow, very nice, very nice offer. And we'll have uh, Linda's email provided um, as the under underneath the interview link. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Linda. Well, thank you. You've been a wealth of knowledge in the accounting and tax arena for us. And um, so thank you listeners for tuning into the innovative economy and uh, wish you a good day. Linda, have a good rest of the day. Thanks. Uh, enjoy the uh, Chicago weather. <laughs> thank you. All right. Thank you, friends. Have a good day.